Buckle up. Welcome to Musicians and Beyond with Mark Lawhorn and John Sarabian, where we bring you the backstage info on the life, lyrics, and long journeys of the music and entertainment industry. Mark, what's going on? Ah, just another day in the life. Just another day in the life. How about yourself? Uh, not much. I mean, we've had some incredible guests. We got another one today. I mean, it just it keeps getting better. Yeah, and you know, the relationships keep growing between the circle of friends that we have. Uh, they keep introducing us to people. We keep introducing them to some of our friends, and uh, it's working out really well. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, last uh, last week, we had Christina Lease, and she's the granddaughter of Luigi Venia, who uh, is a famed Italian opera singer, and he, he sang at JFK's wedding and JFK's funeral. Yeah, a very, very talented man. Um, you know, Christine was very young when her family lost him, but she obviously has the uh, the same skills and the chops and is keeping the musical le- legacy of the family alive, so that's beautiful. Yeah, she was awesome. She, she did great at the keyboards. Her voice is unbelievable, too. She's she's Very talented places. lady. So um, she's going to be joining. What I'm going to talk about next is uh, Seabrook Idol is coming up. It's a uh, American Idol themed. Sponsored by Red's Kitchen and Tavern. Red's Kitchen and Tavern, yeah. That's uh, Ray Bork and the Drevis family. And we appreciate that. That's starting January 3rd. It's going to be every Tuesday, starting at 8. So it's every Tuesday for the month of January. And the final three are going to be January 31st. And the actual winner wins $1,000 cash. They get a real produced music video. And then they get their own episode with you and I, Mark. I mean, does it get any better? No, that's that's awesome. And then we have at the Seabrook Idol, they have two of our previous guests going to be um, doing like a celebrity showing. They they're going to get up on stage and, and show off some of their talents. Well, that would be three, three of our guests. Well, who's the third? Well, Francois. Oh, uh, Francois. That's true. Yeah. That's that's true. And in the first one is um, Michelle Brooks Thompson. Yep. who is the connection today to today's uh, guest. That's correct. And we yep. thank her and thank our guest. She has a number one hit on the gospel charts. Finalist in, a finalist. in season three thank of you. the American Idol. Yeah, she was a finalist. Incredibly talented. Three. It was wonderful to listen to her music. And uh, if anyone has not gone back and listened to that episode, uh, it would be well worth doing because her music is incredible. Yeah. On top of that, another one of our guests, Zach Newbold, who is who was currently on The Voice uh, for this season, um, just lost his chance to continue on, but what an incredibly talented young man he was, and he was great to have in studio playing guitar and singing songs. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him up in uh, local Idol show. Um, yeah, it's going to be so, a good time. Yeah. yeah, and we thank Michelle for, like, our next guest is because of Michelle. I mean, this gentleman heard Michelle's podcast, and we got in contact, and I was... I was blown away with who this guy is. I mean, he, he's unbelievable. So I think we should should introduce him right now. Yep, let's go. James Norkowitz, welcome to the show. Hey, how you guys doing? Could not be better. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Pleasure to be here and uh, pleasure that, um, oh, that it's wintertime and we're able to bring the joys of music to <laughs> Everyone in music land. It, it warms our hearts. We need that right now as the temperatures seem to be dropping uh, precipitously out there. Uh, where are you calling in and stream yarding in from? Uh, Glastonbury, Connecticut. So I'm about 
45 minutes to an hour from Springfield. Has it snowed out there yet? No. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Get those shovels ready. You know, you know, with all the Christmas music that we're, we're doing, I'm doing Michelle and I are doing it's, you know, it would, it would be nature's gift to have that actual snow. So we can go out and do a music video right now, but it's just not in the cards yet. But we'll have to wait. Well, as much as I'm hoping that you have that backdrop for your videos and, and your, your journey through the Christmas season, I would love to see it stay away for a little bit longer. <laughs> I have to, I, I digress. I love watching it fall, but I'm also the one who has to go out and clean it up. So I'm with you. What are you going to do? So you have a lot of feathers in your cap. You are a pianist, a composer, an arranger, and a producer. Correct. Wow. That's a lot going on. I don't like to be bored. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> when you are a pianist, you really have to, um, when you're recording your own material, you have to, it's, it's like a, a sports car, you know, have to know how to handle it. You have to know how, where it goes, what it does. And in the genres of music that I've worked with, produced and worked with others, um, it gives you it gives you the chops that you really need uh, being able to multitask because you end up you end up finding that you know I need to do this I need to do that and rather than having someone third party come in and say hey you know I have this idea I have that idea you have the original idea you have the original concept so what better person to carry it out than you <laughs> so, so true. you know and you then you know likewise if you make a mistake the only person you have to look in the mirror and go oh i did that is yourself so um it's both a good and a bad thing but uh so far it's more good than bad so i'm not going to complain whatsoever right right so james you play a lot of different kinds of music but you're kind of classified as a classical crossover Correct. I I started to dwell into the genre classical crossover, which are classically trained artists who, um, and even myself, I was trained as a jazz pianist, and I swore never, never would I ever go to the dark side and, and cross into classical music. Well, I did, and it, I ended up finding that it was something that I loved to do, but now you can t- take contemporary pop, contemporary music, and rebrand it in a way that nobody's ever done before. When you're able to do that, you're not only reaching a new art audience, but you're also challenging yourself as a musician, as an arranger, as a producer, as a composer to say, hey, what am I really capable of? And, you know, some of the works and some of the things of my own, you know, when you're, you're doing this at like five o'clock in the morning and you're like, you know, I had this really great idea, but will it pan out? And when you finish it and you listen to it, you go, wow, that's that, that is just something that I've never heard before. And you surprise yourself and you shock yourself. And that's kind of what we need to do is to keep redeveloping. I'm not saying redevelop the wheel, but redeveloping uh, the music that we all know and love into a new sound. Or deliver in a different way that we can rebrand it to a younger audience and have them now start to listen not only to the classics, but something new that else is also being created. Wow, what a nice twist. So you're kind of 
James, you're kind of blending the old with the new. You're taking like modern songs and you're crafting a unique arrangement with it. Correct. Wow. And I at mean, the same time, reinventing yourself, which is pretty, yeah, pretty amazing. Well, that, that, that's the catch. It, it's like, you know, I, it, it's like, okay, I never really, really knew that I loved Rachmaninoff. And I never really knew I loved Ravel or Beethoven, right? But yet, I'm also a jazz pianist. So how can I, how can I put all these blends of styles and, and or stylistic ideas and meld them into an idea or concept that changes something that maybe, let's say, Phil Collins wrote, or something that um, Leonard Cohen, like a piece that I did earlier in the year, uh, with a with an artist by the name of Ellen Williams. I mean, by taking it, redeveloping it in, into a newer, I don't want to say new age, but a newer classical pop sound, it just brings out all the colors of the musical rainbow. That's incredible. You've been playing for a while. You've been around music forever. Your grandfather was a pianist? Actually, he was an organist by trade. So technically, technically, uh, I started on the organ, then went to the theater and pipe organ, then went to the piano, then went back to the organ, then went back to the piano. You know, it, it's all relative. You know, it's they're like... It's like driving a 56 Chevy and and driving a Camaro. How fast do you want to go? <laughs> where, where do you want to get to? You know what I mean? Right. Um, I was open to many experiences at a very young age. That my, me and my grandfather played by ear. He wasn't, he was not, he never took a lesson in, in his life. And he had 13 organs in his home. And, you know, going there as a kid, it was like, at first, it was making noise. By the time I was a teenager, it was, let's make some music. So by 17, you were playing in front of thousands of people. Yeah, and uh, working with a bass player who, uh, I was in an after-school program in the arts called Regional Center for the Arts. He was a bass player for Miriam McPartland, George Shearing, Frank Sinatra, just to name a few. And I'm here I am, 16, 17 years old, playing with basically a jazz legend here in Connecticut. Um, you know, it didn't really sink in until I got into college that, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is something beyond me. And um, and it just pretty much just took off from there. So when you first sat around with your grandfather and you, you, you as you say, you just started making noise, uh, did you know that's what you wanted to do then? Was it that obvious that you, you had an affinity? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because... Every every aspect of my life, growing up around music, my you know my my parents didn't play, but they listened intensively. You know, from doo wop to soul to rock to pop to jazz. I mean, we listened to it all. I mean, you could crank the stereo on a summer day. Back then, they called it a hi-fi, <laughs> and um, I mean, it was it was great. You know, because it was music was part of your discussion. Music was part of your, your the good times, the bad times. Uh, it it brought you up when you were down. It it you know, and if you were feeling lonely, it it you know, it has the power to move. And um, there wasn't anything that I wasn't uh, subjected to willingly um, as a kid. I mean, it's like 
you know, let's crank out the four fives, let's crank out the vinyl. And then now I've got my own vinyl collection again. You know, it's like, um, this is what it's about. I mean, music is the soundtrack of our lives. And, you know, what better way to have to best tell your story as a musician or as a, as a, um, as a listener, just to have the best possible soundtrack that you can actually create. You know, uh, I feel sorry for people who say, well, you know, I don't listen, really listen to music that much. You go, well, you know, things must be pretty boring because, <laughs> you know, every, everything we do, I mean, whether, whether we're watching, you know, a sport, a, a, you know, a football game, baseball game, watching a commercial, watching a movie, music is such an integral part of our lives. Every emotion we, we have and share, it's all complemented or enhanced by music. Yeah, it, it evokes who we are. It, it, we're able to remember, you hear a certain song um, and you go, I remember I was with Sally Jane Baker and we were on a date and, you know, and, uh, you know, and we went here and we went there. Music tells the story. It, it's our it, it's our time machine. It helps us to feel those things that sometimes, uh, as you know, like dementia patients, they may not remember what they did five minutes ago, but they'll tell you through one song, they'll be able to tell you what they did 40 years ago. Isn't that incredible? And that That's is amazing. really astonishing. Yeah. Cool. So uh, one of the songs that you perform, Things You Are To Me, you dedicate to your cousin Peter. So we're going to play that. And then after we play this song, we'd like you to tell us why you dedicated it to your cousin Peter and uh, why he was so inspirational to you. So... Ladies and gentlemen, here is James Norkowich, and he is going to be playing Things You Are To Me.
That was James, and that was Things You Are to Me. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, this has a, a deep-rooted, heartfelt family connection to you, and you dedicate it to your cousin Peter Nurkovich. And what is so special about your, your cousin Peter? Well, uh, at the age of, my God, 14, going on 15, going as a freshman in high school, um, very quickly, we're over, over his house one summer day, and he said to me, he puts in a Spyro Gyro album and says, this album is going to save your life. Little did he know the impact of that, what that album had, because I, in fact, had ended up playing with Spyro Gyro once I graduated college. <laughs> wow. But that's beside the point. <laughs> um, and working with Dave Samuels, Jay Beckenstein, and Joe Rosenblatt, all those guys. Um, just amazing, amazing second, for just first tier love of musicians. You know, I, I felt like a second, third, fourth tier musician when, you know, playing with those guys. Um, but my, my cousin Peter is a musician. Um, he was one of the huge influences on my career. He's got a dynamic voice. Um, he's a, he's a keyboard player by trade. And of course, if you interview him and you ask him, he'll go, no, I, I, no, not like you, but, uh, I mean, we could have that argument all day. <laughs> it's like the Patriots and the Giants. I'm a Giant fan. I'm sure you guys are Pats fans. So you know how it goes. So he just has this very dynamic way of instituting, um, certain things into his music the way he plays, the way he sings, and it's always questioned me as I was growing up. Well, how'd you do that? And how'd you, how'd you resolve to that particular, um, you know, chord progression? How'd you, why'd you do that? You know, was there a reason? Was this intentional? And um, he's one of the, he's, he's just one of those guys that you could talk, we, we could talk about music for 15 hours straight, and still find something that we didn't know before. And um, uh, he's like, he's, he's one, he's, he's my muse. And, um, and I'm blessed that he's my cousin. Good for you. Yeah. That's it. That's definitely on a deeper level. Uh, uh, and that's great that you guys get to share that and, and, and work that bond. So he played the album for you, said it was going to change the world. It foreshadowed something. Um, did he get to see you play with those? Did, was he around? Did he get to come around and share? Oh, that? Yeah. He's not, he's, he's, I, again, I'm, I'm the, I, I'm the younger side of the family now. Um, he's not gigging, uh, any longer, but yet still seeing the fruits of what I've done and my inspiration, you know, the inspirations that have happened over the years and have come, you know, into my musical stylings. Um, I still don't know why he ever, he said, you know, this album is going to change your life, but it did. And I kept playing it and playing it and playing it until I got to the point that I couldn't listen to it anymore. But again, like I said, never would I thought, would have thought that, you know, Spyro Gyro would have been in my future. That's next level stuff. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> I'm glad you got to experience that next level. And, uh, so what, where were you off to after that? 
What was your next big um, adventure? I, I did a lot of studio work uh, at the Carriage House in Stanford, Connecticut, and had done uh, things with also Tower of Power. Uh, same professor gave us a call one day in the summer of 2000, or, 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 and um, I mean, uh, <laughs> 2002, 2003, and said, um, we need you to fill in. I would like you to fill in for this band that's playing, you know, right around two, three miles away from my home. Right. We get there. We don't know who the band is until we looked at the drum head and it said Chicago. Wow. And at that point I'm going, yeah, this is okay. I'm not as I'm not nervous because this is Chicago. I'm nervous because this is Chicago, <laughs> if that makes any sense whatsoever. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I mean, this is the stuff that I grew up on that I drove around on a on a, a cold winter's night and you know, by the by the water and just listening to that, you know, stylings of Chicago and David Foster, who I uh is one of my uh, musical heroes, so to speak, in in the professional realm. Um and then, you know, the whole wedding band route, we've done that. And then, you know, then, of course, writing for others, which uh, which was interesting because you start writing for different genres and different, you know, multitude of different people from big bands to, you know, some indie solo rock artists. And then, of course, getting into the radio realm. And then, uh, again, like I said, I don't like to be bored. <laughs> so... Uh, this gave me an opportunity to kind of culminate everything that I've learned and, and work with anyone that I could work with and that I saw something in. I was able and still able to take that and extract it and turn it into something that, you know, is potentially life changing for both of us. So in 2022, you released the uh, artist compilation series. And that's a compilation of your music to Barry Manilow, Queen, Billy Joel, Johnny Mathis. I mean, I, I was listening to it earlier. I was blown away. It's all you on Thank the you. piano. It's just incredible. Well, you, you know, it all came about. Um, I know Billy Joel's drummer, Liberty DeVita. So I'm like, what if I took my own adaptation of, you know, these songs and again did them in a way that the contemporary audience of jazz and classical and pop have never heard before and then essentially put it out there and see what happens and the reception has been astounding i mean um everybody knows and loves queen little did i know uh this was May or June of this year um, had put out a series of tweets on Twitter and ended up connecting with Adam Lambert, who is the lead vocalist now for Queen. And had said that he's like, I love the stuff that you guys are doing. I did another track called Who Wants to Live Forever with an artist that I discovered uh, in the UK and had gotten a lot of play over there. Um, and that, that was a catalyst of, of why I did the, the solo artist series of Queen because 
these are the people who inspired me. These are people who I grew up listening to. Now, again, I've, I've, I could probably go on for hours and hours and hours of just recording the people that inspired me, but what truly stands out from Johnny Mathis to, to Queen to Barry Manilow? And that's a question you have to have with yourself as a musician and just as a person. Thinking about what what we've we've talked about here, uh, and and every now and then I like to do something that educates the the musical listener at home that doesn't have an, an in depth knowledge of what you might be doing. You you've written, you've composed, you've arranged. Tell us the difference. What you're doing when you're composing versus when you're arranging. When you're when you're arranging, you're putting together a sum of ideas. Let's let's say a flowchart, for example. You want to take something that has been done and put it in a way and record it in a way that can captivate a new audience, a new, a new listening, a new partnership. And arrangement can go from anywhere from adding instruments, subtracting instruments, key changes, chords, you know, just a vocal timbre of someone's voice, changing it from male to female, female to male, you know, or just making it instrumental. Uh, the composition part is more of a deeper soul-searching kind of um, empathy. It's like it's it's like you you want to take something from scratch, something that a thought that inspires you, and you you go, hey, wait a minute, you know, I'm feeling this way, or I was feeling this way, and it, you know, I really I'm hearing this thing in my head. Now, some people go, well, if you're hearing things in your head, you got a problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this is it's it's something that really inspires you to it's like a call of duty and that really makes a an impact as as an artist and just as a listener uh, I, I i i can't describe it you know if, if someone said if you're called to compose on demand that's a whole nother course of a different color but when something strikes you and something moves you um that's where you have to sit down and have that musical conversation, whether it's behind the instrument, whether it's on paper or just a combination of both. So it, it, the reason I ask that is we've had some guests on from The Voice, you know, obviously Michelle and several others. And when I think of that, I always think of the, the people who do so well on those shows have taken their song and rearranged it or reimagined it in a new way. And I think those are the people that really stand out when they show that creativity and, and take it to a different place. And I always wondered, are they working with someone in the background that that is an arranger that that helps them with that? And, and oh. Yeah. oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Because, um, you know, you really need a seasoned pro. You, you really need someone who's going to take you to that next level. And even as an instrumentalist, you need someone who's going to show you the ropes and give you the chops and give you the insight to say, you have to look at it this way. It's like, you know, okay, you can build a house X, Y, and Z, but if you do it A, B, and C first, you're going to end up having a better product. And I mean, they have probably for each uh, for contestant, there's probably two or three coaches, you know, and then, I mean, the same thing goes when you're, when you're working with instrumentalists, years doing studio work, it was like, okay, this is great, <laughs> but, you know, um, how do you tell the vocalist or how do you tell the guitarist that you guys, it's not, it's not working. It's not happening. This conversation we're supposed to be having with one another, it's not gelling. And, then without hurting one person's feelings or the other person's feelings. So then you got, you have to be a good politician and diplomat and that's just, 
You just don't want to. That's no. <laughs> Not the conversation I want to be in on. <laughs> you re- no. I mean, you know, if you can if you can be a politician in the studio, and there are a lot of good uh, guys and gals who can do that. You know, all power to you. But to be able to walk in, to listen, to understand, and be receptive of what and whom you're working with, I think is key. Well, James, I think it's really cool that you use your talents to help others. Um, exactly what you were just talking about. You did the song Hallelujah with Ellen Williams. And you had a beautiful end product. And you use that to help the people of Ukraine. It was funny. I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to make a difference. So I started the video first. And then I figured, well, I'm going to make an original production. No, that Mm-mm. that so failed badly it wasn't even funny so then i'm watching the video and again i'm sitting watching this video and i'm going maybe no that's not going to work and i just started playing hallelujah something just clicked i know what part of the video clicked but at that moment i was totally complete after it and and satisfied when it was done Unfortunately, I'm like, I don't have a vocalist, but let me post it on social media. Well, Ellen, Ellen had found what I did and she was just as moved as I was and said, you know, I would love to help in this effort. And proceeds went to one central kitchen, um, one world kitchen. And, you know, it brought me into that classical crossover genre because I mean, she's just an amazing soprano. And to have her 12 hours later from when I sent her the track to sing on top of that, and you're 4,000 miles away, I mean, that's, the music speaks the emotion, evokes the emotion. And again, you don't, you don't have to go to, or be trained um, by any, any college or any school of music to feel what I was trying to say. And she just interpreted just absolutely phenomenally. Yeah. And the message that you gave um, by the video was incredible. You were showing the Ukrainian land when it was all pristine and beautiful. And that was intentional to give the people of Ukraine the hope and insight of what is yet to come to rebuild their city. That's exactly. I wanted to show rather than the despair, rather than to show the destruction, to show the beauty of the Ukrainian people and the culture and what the country can be after all this nonsense is over with. You know, they, they will rebuild and it's, it's going to be a better Ukraine. We're going to play Hallelujah right now.
symbolism the messages the music it, it is so beautiful her voice is incredible oh I, I i'm not gonna lie when when she sent me the final product i cried i and that's just a testament to what music can do <laughs> it's kind of funny i have a friend up in boston you know with a with a heavy boston accent mind you and said you must have did something on that because you were wicked smack to do that you know <laughs> And I'm like, you know, it just happened. It just happened. I couldn't have, I couldn't have planned it any better. And um, I can't sit here and tell you that that was calculated. That was, that was magic. I mean, that was, that was truly a blessing from God that just fell in my hands. Well, it would, it, well, well done. Cause you, the piano spectacular, just absolutely. It, it, you can feel it. It's so emotional, it, and, and it's so powerful um, to bring those two things together. Your piano playing and her, her voice, incredible. What's interesting, Mark, is he's probably played that a hundred times. And watching him in his face, it's still touching him. Yeah, React, the reactions it, were, I mean, were pretty my, real. The hairs on my arm were standing Absolutely. up, by the way. But it, I, it really, it still affects you. Yeah, it, I mean... I, I'm not going to lie. I love putting YouTube on my living room sound, you know, surround sound and hearing when her voice cascades and gets to that, that point, I mean, you just go, and there happens to be a soldier that's in the Ukraine by the name of James Vasquez here in Connecticut. He tweeted the video out and showed his arm with the hair standing up. You really have to Google it, and, and it, it, it's in the whole Google Analytics of the pictures and images, but to see somebody's hair stand up on their arms and say, I did that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sobering. It's, it, it just, there's such a level of humility, and then, then you go, yeah, I did do that. That is cool, isn't it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> It must be amazing to be able to make something beautiful like that and touch 
not only hundreds, but thousands and millions of people. It's beautiful. I mean, we, we appreciate what you do. We appreciate all these people that bring all different kinds of music into the world. You know, I think you both said it when, when you were describing it. Um, and, and John, actually, it, it, the hope that it brings, the message of hope that it brings is really incredible. And for, for us to feel it is one thing. For the people of Ukraine to be feeling it. And I think about the images we saw the other day when the Ukrainians took over, took back that city as the Russians left and the cheering that yeah. was happening when they drove back in. That is a pretty pretty powerful thing you're able to bring about and, and be a part of. And, and you are. And, and you know, it, I mean, biggest thing, biggest thing is if you can make a difference, you know, if you can, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would, I would love a Grammy or two <laughs> or three or four, even. We would love that for you as well. <laughs> Thank you. But you know, you have in order, in order to make a difference, you've got to touch you got to, you've got to, it has to resonate with the people that are, are listening to the music. And if it doesn't touch them and it doesn't, you know, you're not delivering it in a way that they're responding. It, it's, or, you know, they're supposed to respond. You know, you can be an auto, you can go on automatic pilot and just be for lack of better words or a robot. Yeah. Or you can go out there and tell that story and convey that story at least. Um, are you always going to hit it out of the park? No, I've been very lucky and blessed this year to have, you know, I got a couple home runs, but you know, we want to win the world series. So, (laughs) (laughs) but we are, we are truly blessed to actually have probably the the two best franchises and on both ends of the spectrum, you know, in in the Northeast and, and, and that even goes with, with musical talent. I mean, everyone, whether you live in New York, whether you live in, you know, Boston, whether you live up in Maine, Connecticut, you know, Rhode Island, uh, we all speak the same language. And I think that's the most important thing. Amen. Uh, yeah. Music is definitely a, a universal language and we, we commend you on your talents and sharing with the world uh, how do people find all the information about you? The, the best way is through my website, which is jamesanorkowitz.com. Of course, um, if you Google James A. Norkowitz, you'll find, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Deezer. There's 30 or 40 that I, I can't even keep up with them. They change so much. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, various, you know, news media organizations, of course, uh, YouTube, YouTube, forward slash, you know, James A. Norkowitz, hoping to add some more material off the Christmas album and now the subsequent Christmas album that'll be coming out tomorrow. Um, again, covers and a lot of original material you've never heard of before, which goes back to 2017, 2018. And um, I am very proud of, I am extremely proud of that album. Um, it's just a culmination of everything. I, Christmas was always a big thing for me as a kid, and I'm nothing but a grown-up kid. So being able to take my childhood, relive my childhood through music, I think is just, you know, is just awesome. That's, That's great. Love that you're able to do that. I think uh, I'm, I'm like you, a big kid, and I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. I love the holidays that, that make children happy. And for me, I never want to grow up and grow out of that. Same here. Because... 
if you never, you got, you got to, you got to remember what brought you to where you are now. And just like music, you know, people who just, you know, give the bah humbug and, and aren't, aren't into the holidays. It very dull, very boring. And then of course, of course, how Michelle comes in all of this is, um, I was, I was going to segue into that next. So I thought you did that beautifully. (laughs) uh, Michelle and I, we've probably hooked up earlier this year. She's been very busy and I, I want to work and want to put something together with you. And it's going to be released November 28th, Oh Holy Night. And um, I can't wait. I can't wait for this. I mean, it, it's her voice, absolutely amazing. And I mean, again, we, we go through the same compliment and, and you know, contrast and, and compare. It's like, oh, no, you. Oh, no, you. Oh, no, you. It's like um, that this is going to be something that. I can't wait to hear it on the air. That's that's what I'm hoping. And, we, we are um, equally as excited about it and looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go to jamesanorkowich.com and pick up the Christmas album and download the new Oh Holy Night. I think so. Yeah. We constantly joke about this is that, you know, she is inspired by Whitney and Shaka Khan and all the, all the great soul singers of the 70s and 80s, right? Well... In terms of musicianship, David Foster for me with David, you know, uh, Steely Dan, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, and then everything he did with Whitney Houston and changed her career around. I feel like we're the new we're we're, we're the new power combo in 2022. I mean, David Foster's now what seventy something years old and. And he's married to Catherine McPhee, so I think it's time to let's let's start changing the gamut here, and let's start let's start writing some new music and inspire a new generation. I love it. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of Michelle. She's not only an awesome person, but an incredible artist. I'm actually a huge fan of James's uh, artist compilation series. To to be honest, I mean, I, I just love that stuff. I was listening to it. The stuff is awesome. I mean, we, we are thrilled that we were able to meet you and hook up with you and listen to your stories and inspire us, inspire the world. Um, keep up the things that you're doing. You're helping others in, you know, putting smiles on people's faces all over the world. And, yeah. you know, we want to thank you for taking your time and sharing with us. And I think, I think we gained a new friend, Mark. Yeah. You know, I have to say, you know, this has been one of the more pleasurable uh, interviews and podcasts. I, I love the personality. I love the, the, the energy and I love the, uh, the music obviously is, is, uh, the basis of it all. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, we like to think that everyone that comes into the studio or, or, or sits in on the podcast with us becomes a friend. And, uh, we, uh, we are very fortunate to have you uh, with us. So thank you for coming in and being our friend. Thank you. And uh, I, it's an honor to, uh, you know, tell, you know, the story behind the music because, you know, it, it, it this isn't something that, you know, it, it's like, okay, well, I'm under contract of XY studio. It's, it, it's really, it's hard work that you put down and you, you hope that people can understand and people can enjoy and, you know, we're living in weird times, and the last couple of years have been extremely weird. And if we can make someone smile, change their attitude, and, you know, just make people feel 
better and treat each other better. You know, I think that's really what this is all about and what we're supposed to do, whether whether it's being a musician or being any type of artist. But, you know, my my particular thing is music. So what can I do? And, you know, but to do one day at a time and one song at a time and hope that, you know, it, it makes a difference. Well, it, it, I think it's conversations like this and introducing the world to, to you a little bit deeper and a little bit. Uh, for us, it was a pleasure to have you here and, and, and hear from you. So I think our audience and, and, and the general public will be very inspired and very impressed and very happy after hearing this podcast. I think you bring a little bit of joy uh, just the way you speak and the way that the, the things you talk about. So... We cannot wait. We can't wait. And James A. Norkowicz, we want to thank you again, and we want to thank you for being our friend. Thank you so very much. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. Thank you.